0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and
2: early odds Joe Ostrowski
1: Oregon's down by 12 they're on the
2: 45 yard line with no timeouts Oregon's got an all-American field goal kick why didn't somebody tell me Chicago sports betting show touchdown Ohio State there are some folks who are celebrating (laughs) (laughs) and others who are saying you've got to be kidding you kind of know what I'm thinking about over or under under would be the key word
3: Happy Father's Day weekend to all of the early odds and score listeners this Saturday morning. We're going to get to call the shots for once. Maybe birthday weekend, too, if you guys are lucky out there. Now, since Father's Day is upon us, it also means we can relax with the U.S. Open tomorrow. We are halfway home, and my buddy Jeff Feinberg will be joining me in just a moment. Also on the show this weekend, the St. Louis Blues Better that became a legend on Wednesday. Scott Barry put four hundred bucks down on his blues to win one hundred thousand dollars. He joined me last night, and I want you to hear why he decided to place that bet on the blues when they were in last place, and why he decided not to hedge. We head north to Canada on early. On. Jeff Feinberg joins me. He's on Twitter at gfeinberg seventeen. Could find him every week on the Pat Mayo Experience podcast. Also, last night he was doing the DraftKings Cut Sweat Show. And first off, Jeff, congrats on your Raptors, man. I hope you cash a big ticket on the U.S. Open, but I know the Raptors is a big deal up there.
1: Yeah, I know. It's uh, pretty crazy, Joe. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, kind of unfathomable, at least to me, that, that NBA championship seems so unattainable for so many reasons whether it be historically players didn't want to be here, uh, the fact that so few teams in the NBA actually win that thing, uh, the lottery pick aspect of probably the teams that aren't the five or six dynasties that have won titles. Uh, you know, it's not like the, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs or football or even the MLB field design, you know, to sort of lean on everybody. The NBA never felt that way to us in Canada and, it just it's it's honestly insane to comprehend that Toronto finally got got something big.
3: It's amazing. And then to think years from now kids are gonna be growing up playing basketball, maybe even a little bit more than uh some with hockey. And maybe it's the year for Feinberg. Maybe it's uh your Chargers year, huh?
1: Oh, I don't even wanna go there. <laughs> it is June, Joe, and I've had way too many like Chargers adrenaline rushes for the month of June. Usually I wait for those Uh, To hold off, but it seems like people that are way smarter than me, whether it be the Vegas guys or, uh, you know, the pro football focus football analytics guys, uh, they're really, really gung ho. About the Chargers, and you stare down that roster. I mean, I I, I love them, but it's hard not to see why people uh, aren't aren't excited about them.
3: Yeah, they are every single year, and I'm right there with them. But let's look at this U.S. Open leaderboard halfway home. Gary Woodland nine under with a two shot lead over Justin Rose. Rory is the favorite actually at four to one right now at a lot of shops, but he's four shots back. The cut line was plus two. So what do you think about what we've seen so far?
1: For a U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, uh, much like an Open championship, Joe, it very much is dependent on wind. Uh, you know, if there isn't really wind, there's not much more they could do to to bring up the course's defenses. And that sort of happened through the first two days. And while we're not expecting tons of wind, this is the USGA, and I'm expecting them to put a flamethrower On this course, make it hard, make it fast, make it extremely more penal than it has been playing last year. uh, People remember, I'm not even kidding when I say the guys that literally went out near the first wave in the morning were leading the U.S. Open at the end of Saturday. It was a gong show. Uh, Daniel Berger and Tony Finau, I swear, went out last and everyone at the top just crumbled, getting those crusty late afternoon greens. The USGA sees a 9-under up there. They want to bring that in. They want to bring that in, and I think they'll do everything they can to reign that in.
3: Yeah, that was my first thought right away when they saw a minus 9. Well, they're not going to let a 9 win on Sunday. There's no way that's going to happen. Whether or not they even said, well, we're not going to make it as fast as we did in the past. I'm not buying that for one second. I'm expecting it to be a rough weekend
1: yeah absolutely, And I think they kind of realized that um you know we'll let things play out Thursday and Friday. uh We don't need four days of taking you know heat from players, but we're happy to spend the weekend having players angry at us, <laughs> yeah, no, no problem whatsoever and uh, I, as most expect that that really should come into play
3: when you're looking at this board. If you're just jumping in right now for Saturday and Sunday, you want to have a live ticket on Father's Day while you're watching some golf on Sunday, how deep are you willing to go?
1: Because it's the U.S. Open, Joe, I think you really can, can take this thing back. For starters, you probably have to make a decision on how much you believe in, in Gary Woodland. I love Gary Woodland. Uh, I'm very nervous about the outright ticket I have on Gary Woodland. I know a lot of golf fans, uh, even ones that I really trust, will dismiss him. He's making probably close to ten strokes putting. That is is insane. Uh, that that's like when Jordan Spee's hitting everything from everywhere. Mm. That's sort of what it felt like Woodland was doing. Today. So that sort of seems like how can that go into the weekend and continue? Uh, Justin Rose's iron play has been pretty shady, but but I would look back as far as the ones and the twos uh, to me would very much be in play uh, to go out there to hold fort and watch the leaders come back to them uh, later in the day. I will throw this caveat in, which caught me off guard. Six of the last nine 36 hole leaders at the U.S. Open actually went on to win the whole freaking thing. And that goes against um, PGA Tour numbers for sure. There's no way 36 hole leaders win six out of every nine tournaments on tour. That's just not, doesn't happen.
3: Well, the other crazy thing about this leaderboard is you mentioned Woodland at minus nine, and you see, okay, at minus six, you've got Kucher and Kepka. You expected those guys to be in the top 10. At T6, they're still five shots back.
1: They are still five shots back, but at Pebble Beach, it can evaporate quickly, as uh, Dustin Johnson taught us last time we went to this track, and as U.S. Open Saturdays have taught us, uh, it can go quickly. And as somebody, Joe, who bets Gary Woodland as regularly maybe as you could, uh, he can give this back quickly. He can. I'm nervous. I'm nervous and excited, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. But I would take this thing farther back. A guy like Henrik Stenson at fifty to one has just been so consistent hitting the greens. You, I mean, you would need a hot putting round, but he could deliver. Uh, I'll go a little bit higher. I think Adam Scott and even John Rom. Uh, Rom. To me, you probably wouldn't want him leading, but but his best success has come from that tail position, and he has the talent to be a firecracker. He also has the mental capacity to be a firecracker, on the other hand, but both of his wins have come in California. And there hasn't been a tournament in the last couple months that Adam Scott has played in. Every tournament he's in, it feels like there's a moment where I'm like, oh, my God, Adam Scott's going to win maybe. Uh, so we haven't had that yet. But I wouldn't be afraid to go even farther back. I'm t- because it's the U.S. Open, uh, you can throw your, your hammers in that minus one, minus two uh, range. I would be afraid to play the top, any of them, maybe except Brooks Kepka, who's probably sitting in a perfect stalking position.
3: All right, I've got to hit you with the Tiger question. He is nine shots back, even through rounds one and two, and his number is sitting there at 50 to one.
1: His putter seems to have abandoned him. It pains me to say, I I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I'm not there.
0: Uh,
3: You did mention, too, so at minus two, we have someone as talented as anybody on this course. A winner here, great course history at Pebble Beach, Uh, Dustin Johnson. What do you think so far?
1: His proximity to the pin today was absolutely unconscious, Joe, because he was outstanding today. His putter uh, simply abandoned him. Uh, But to me, I I am a true believer in Dustin, and he is the king of Pebble Beach in many ways people consider. Uh, I think that's a very live bet because he's good for at least a heat or a tournament. Unfortunately for Dustin, Joe, it seems like at the Masters and the PGA, he didn't start playing his best golf until like really late in the tournament and it it was just too little too late so hopefully for him that's not the case again this week
3: and you can find DJ right now at about 20 to 1 Now, I am a believer in John Rahm, but when it comes to the U.S. Open, I've just decided to stay away. I buy into the narrative, but just seeing him on the course sometimes with his his temperament and how the course can get to him. But Rahm is sitting there, T11, three under par, six shots back. What do you think of his shots? Uh, Right now he's 33-1 to on the board.
1: This might be the recommendation I would make to a friend. Uh, like I said, him or Scott, uh, I think he's an ideal coming from the pack. It's how he won at Torrey Pines. He's both his tour wins have come in the state of California. I look at John Rahm the same way that I think a lot of sports fans look at that player on in, in team sports. Almost like how Peyton Manning, that like there was just this narrative he could never win the big one, but the second he won it. You know, there was never a big game you didn't think he, um, he was going to win. To me, John Rom will be the number one player in the world for an extended period of time, not like a Justin Rose summer. Uh, he, he will win everything one day. The moment he does, you know, people will never doubt him for a moment again. He is only 24 years old. To me, his mental stuff, he's, he's acknowledged it and he's working on it. I think he's in a prime spot.
3: Some names near the top that might surprise people. You have Aaron Wise, uh, Ches Reeve, even though he's played well there in the past. And looking down the board a little bit, you go down to a Sep Straka, Carlos Ortiz, uh, the amateur Brandon Wu. Any of these names you think can be there on Sunday?
1: Not for me. Uh, if I went farther down, I might be staring at like uh, Henrik Stenson, a Matt Wallace. I know they're they're a bit more shorter priced, but I'm not really into the class of player you mentioned. Zach Johnson at 150 to one, though, uh, could be one that is intriguing. Pebble does not demand the most out of your driver, and Johnson can play to his yardages, and we know. He's a, a world-class putter, and if he finds his, his stroke, he can climb that board tomorrow, and that 50-to-1 that, that could go off Sunday in the 15-to-20-to-1. Wow.
3: wow, that's ridiculous value for a major champion.
1: Uh, yeah, who I want to say is uh, what 3-under uh, par or 2-under par, unless he really gas can to come in the home. No,
3: he's 3-under. He's right there with Stenson, Scott, Piercy, and Rom.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty alarming um, number for a guy with uh, pedigree. Who, again, the course, uh, you know, most U.S. Opens, you would just ignore Zach Johnson because driving distance is such a, at a premium. But not at Pebble Beach. It's about hitting your spots and hitting your putts.
3: All right, last thing, Jeff. Let me throw a trendy name at you. A lot of people were picking this golfer, and I I understood why. Another guy right there with those names: Stenson, Scott, Rahm, uh, Zach Johnson, Xander Shoffley, right there.
1: I'm I'm very much into Shoffley. He was on my betting card this week. I'm hoping it's a big weekend for San Diego State with Kauai cashing early <laughs> and Xander uh, in a couple days. I'm a believer in this guy. He he hangs around all these majors lately. He seems to do everything right. Uh, I'm very much a believer in Xander Shoffley, and he was on my outright ticket before the week uh, began.
3: Awesome. Jeff, thank you so much for the knowledge, and I hope you cashed that Woodland ticket.
1: I would be so happy because Gary Woodland, anybody that follows the PGA Tour, is a world-class human being. He plays for disabled soldiers or that Folds of Honor uh, gear that he wears. Uh, It would just be so fitting for him to win the United States Open.
3: Hopefully some intel from Jeff Feinberg there on a golfer that will win you some money uh, this Father's Day with the U.S. Open. So we go from the golf over to the hockey, a guy that won six figures on Wednesday. Scott Barry joined me last night on the Joe O Show, and I asked Scott if he was getting sick and tired of all these sports betting so-called experts that were telling him what he should do with his 250-to-1 monster Blues ticket?
2: You know, I wouldn't say sick and tired, but there was a certain point where I started reading some of the comments on Twitter and early on, before even before the Cup started after we lost Game 1, the Blues lost Game 1. And, uh, wow, that stuff goes to your head pretty quickly if you're not used to it. So I, I immediately shut that off for the rest of the, the Cup Finals. And, you know, a few people grabbed me on the street here or there and say, hey, I'm a, I'm a finance person, do this, do that. Uh, but I kind of just said, Yeah, I appreciate that. I know you guys are looking out for me. I appreciated that advice and I get it. I've been called an idiot a bunch throughout the time that, that I didn't, you know, as I refused to hedge or, or sell out. Um, but I just had faith, man. You know, So I appreciate all those people that wanted, me, wanted to secure a profit for me. But um, at the same time, the only people I really talked to was my family and close, close friends. And even them, they were like, You do whatever you want is best. And we're all by your side to support you. And whatever happens, happens. And to, honestly, to, uh, to clear my head before that game seven, I told myself, uh, hey, if they lose, I'm still blessed to have, you know, great friends, great family, a, a good job I like and all that. So, um, you know, nothing else it was a wild ride, but just it was just an incredible finish to a, a long story. I think – these games have been bad to my health, frankly, and with all the anxiety and angst on it. So I'm just so glad it's over and so glad that they had a happy ending.
3: <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, before Game 6, you had an offer of $75,000 for your ticket. How close were you to accepting that offer?
2: <laughs> that was uh, the point where it was like, I was like, okay, now is the time to hedge if you're going to hedge. Now's the time to sell if you want to sell, you know, because we obviously Boston was a, a plus 250 at that point or something like that or 240 money line. And um, I thought the hardest thing, just to be honest with you, I was like, well, am I doing the right thing? Am I, You know, how bad, do you, you know, could you use this money? And it was pretty bad. You know, I've got bills to pay and all that stuff. So, um, but again, uh, the heart kind of overrode the mind. And uh, I put that bet down for a reason in January because I did believe in them then, even when they were the worst team in the league. And I said this bet was for a hundred thousand dollar payout, and I, you know I believe, and I'm not going to sell myself two games short. Uh, let this thing ride, and I'm I'm pretty superstitious about the whole thing. I felt like I would jinx everything if I offloaded any money or or, or sold out.
3: Talking with Scott Barry on 670, the score of the Blues fan that won a hundred thousand dollars on a four hundred dollar futures bet. Now, you're talking to someone that just had a rough beat. I go back to the final four. I had two teams in the final four. I had Auburn and I had Texas Tech. So I have two, half of the final four, and I end up winning absolutely nothing. So there's no question that I would have hedged. So you would have been able to stomach winning zero, huh?
2: Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I, I accepted that. I had to, you know, somehow go in a hypnotic state of like, you have to accept if you lose. It's been a wild ride. You love this team too much to sell short. And if they, if Boston ends up winning Game Seven, so be it. I'll live with it forever. And um, I just kind of blocked everything else out and said, "Let's let's go Blues."
3: All right, let's go back. You just hinted at this a minute ago about what you saw in this team and why you believed in this team. Tell us yeah. what did you see and where was this wager placed?
2: Yeah. So I mean preseason. I mean we were. Just so jacked up for you know acquiring you know like Pat Maroon and a couple of rookies coming up and all that and we knew that they were great on paper um, preseason and obviously the first half of the season was you know for lack of a better term atrocious right I mean we were not playing well the timing was bad and there was a coaching change before I made this bet and we had just got Bennington um, he was showing you know signs of brilliance but you, and I just said I know this team's better than what these two hundred fifty to one odds are showing. I felt like that was a disservice to my team. And I just happened to be out in Vegas at the right time for a work conference. And I'm like, I'm not going to play any games, <laughs> table games, or anything like that. I'm just going to go ahead and, and throw a, a good bet on these guys because I believe that they, anything can happen. Um, I know it's the hardest championship to win or relative to other sports once you're in, but I thought there's a chance they can get in. It's easy to get in the, relative to other sports, and then anything can happen from there. So that's why I did it and put it down and uh, just trust my gut the whole way through. I know that's a lot of avid gamblers. I'm not one still probably call me needed to day, even though they won. But uh, I just uh, kind of, again, you bet with your heart, not your mind sometimes if you're, if you're a fan, and that's what I did.
3: That's where I wanted to go next, Scott, because obviously what grabs the headlines, Blues fan, never had the cup before, wins $100,000 on a bet, 250 to 1 odds. But what people don't think about, a $400 wager I mean, not just a four hundred dollar bet, Scott. A four hundred dollar futures wager on a long shot. Like I've bet my share of long shots, but never have I thought, okay, I'm going to put four hundred bucks on it. That's pretty strong.
2: <laughs> it is. It's a weird. Everyone asks, how would you come up with four hundred? That's a that's a hefty bet. And I said, well, I if I get out to Vegas, it's like zero times to one time a year. <laughs> so, I, and when I do go out there, which is you know every other year or something like that, I'm like, what do I usually? Take out from you know as a hey I can I can stop at this amount and still be okay so you know betting smart right don't something something you can't afford type deal I thought well I was out there for three and a half days and I didn't play any table working the whole time so and I got done with the conference I was too tired to go walk or do any, you know blackjack or crafts or anything like that for fun and I'm and I walked by the book and saw that I'm like geez I was like how about this I'll just take that you know four hundred I. Could have lost or would have budgeted for, and just let it ride on something I enjoy watching. And I can enjoy every game the rest of the season, potentially, if they do turn things around. And um, that's exactly what happened. That's how I came to that amount. Because I, I thought, 100K, that'd be crazy if this thing you know turned around and I was riding with it. And that, sure enough, it's still so surreal that it even happened. Um, but that's why I, I chose 400. And I, I will say, what advice? Don't ever don't ever bet on, you know, or the amount you can't afford, right? I mean, that's a big mm-hmm. takeaway, too. And I just figured so I'm in Vegas once once every other year. I probably would have lost this anyway. So let's let it ride on a, a team you love to watch and have grown up uh, admiring.
3: Thank you for mentioning that, Scott, because I don't know if you saw in the news, legalized sports betting is coming to Illinois. So that's a message that I'm going to con- continue to try to, to get out there. Before Wednesday, and you you took home the 100K, before Wednesday – what was your biggest win on a sports bet?
2: Biggest win on a sports bet? Jeez. I don't. I mean, I don't honestly don't bet that often. Um, <laughs> maybe, oh, you know what it was? It was when I was out in Vegas maybe a year ago uh, during the Final Four. I think we picked who or, or not Final Four, but the beginning of the NCAA tournament, and I think it was about a hundred dollar bet, and it paid out one hundred and fifty or something like that on the money line. So uh, that was that was it. I mean, nothing. You take that and uh, you turn it into a $100,000 bet, so I don't know. Maybe I should just start doing it more often, right? that's taking into trouble. <laughs>
3: that, that's what I was wondering. I was thinking maybe he just takes long shots all the time and, and you hit one every few years or something.
2: No, no. I like, Honestly, I'm the kind of guy I like immediate results. Like, go you know, put some uh, money on roulette or something and see what happens. And then I'm <laughs> just kicking myself in the butt because it you know, hits black or whatever instead of
3: red. Scott, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Not hedging, but congratulations. I'm happy you ended up winning the 100K. And I was rooting for you. There were some Blackhawks fans around the city that were just saying, anybody but the Blues. But I was fine, and I knew I was right all along because right after the game, just seeing all the Boston fans come out, oh well, well, we're just going to have to settle for our 12 championships that we've had in recent years. (laughs) I, I was so happy that the Blues brought it home for you.
2: Uh, we appreciate that, and I, I have got friends that are Chicago natives, too, that we always had the fun rivalry of the Cubs and Blackhawks and all that, and, and they got went into the story and said, we are absolutely okay if, if you guys win a championship, and more so just because you guys deserve it, and, um, and then I had that big bet on the line, too, and so they were, they were so it's, not, it's not always hostile between us, right? I mean, I love Chicago, and uh, it's a great city, and my sister actually was up there, too, so I'm up there quite a bit.
3: Excellent. Maybe uh, we'll see you around Wrigley this summer. Scott Berry, the Blues fan that won $100,000, and his team also won the Stanley Cup. Congratulations, Scott, and thank you.
2: Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it.
3: If you want to catch my entire conversation with Scott Berry, it's available on 670thescore.com. Of course, subscribe to the Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski podcast and tell a friend. It's on our website, also iTunes and your favorite podcast platforms. also appreciate Jeff Feinberg for the U.S. Open conversation. Follow me on Twitter at Joe0670. Inside the Clubhouse is next with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. I'll be back Monday evening,
0: 7 to 10, right here on 670 The Score. Best of luck, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?